Maybe that's just me, but I kind of feel like I, if I know how to do it too well, then I'm not having fun. You know, I'll be more like then executing than instead of creating. And I、mm-hmm. think all of us as artists are trying to create. So the moment that you shut off and just start like doing the same thing that you did for somebody else or doing the same you know kind of project again and again, you're kind of losing a bit of. Of that innocence of the artist, you know that、right. that makes it so special. So you know, just get out there and do it. Hey, everybody! Welcome to Works in Process. This podcast is a series of conversations where I speak to designers, artists, writers, and more to discuss their creative methodologies. I'm your host, designer and educator George Garastegui. Then that was Dan Castro, a photographer, motion designer, and director from New York by way of St. Louis. We chatted today about his career journeys and how, at each step of the way, he's able to pivot to something new. And we touched on how his collaboration with other creatives on passion projects helps his studio expand what they're able to produce. But don't take my word for it. Hear it from him. Hope you enjoy this episode. So, hey Dan, how are you、What's、doing? Up, how are you, you doing? Welcome to the Works and Process Podcast. I'm glad to have you. We talked a while ago about getting you on the show, and finally getting a chance to link up is really cool. So, thanks for coming on. Yeah, no, I'm excited to be here. So I'm here with Dan Castro, and we're at City Tech, the where I teach at New York City College of Technology, and I'm having this conversation so we can kind of figure out how this creative works, and you know how I can make sure you understand how to use this in your everyday process. So I do this thing in the beginning of my episodes, and you've probably heard it a little bit, and I call it icebreakers because I want to get us loose.、Mm-hmm. Um, we know each other; we've been friends for a while, but we haven't seen each other in a long time. So I want to just make sure that. We're able to have an honest conversation. It's a little bit more fun and not so serious. So I first start with the idea of this or that questions. Okay. All right. So you just pick one or the other. Okay. You ready?、Uh, I hope so. All right.、Um, black and white or color? Color. SD card or compact flash? Compact flash. Whoa! Old school. All one hundred percent. Really? Yeah. Film or digital? Digital. St. Louis or Memphis barbecue? St. Louis. Still lifes or portraits? Ooh, that's a good one. I do、uh, a little. No, you have to. You have to. You have to pick one or the other. I would say portraits then. Portraits, and I'm just doing this because you live in Brooklyn. G train or the L train? I mean, neither of those is a good <laughs> option, but I guess I would. I would have to go with G. G. I like it. I mean, right, I can、yeah. go with the G train. I mean, it's a friendly train. Is it? Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's it's like a, a distant relative that comes and visits you like once a month or something, but never on time. Once every thirty minutes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, not on the weekends. Um, cool. So then I do a thing called word association,、okay. and obviously the first thing that just comes to your mind whenever these words. Okay. All right? All right. Creativity. Spontaneity. Design. Matters. Art. Beauty. Business, savvy,、um, failure, learning, clients, work, mistakes, growing, tools, utility, skills, building blocks, opportunity, everywhere, future, present. Risk, excitement, 
And last but not least, process. George. (laughs) (laughs) You do have a good process, by the way. Do I? Yeah. I don't even know what it is yet. Very polished gentleman over here. Oh, I try. Yeah. You know? So now I want our guests to understand who you are. Basically, where'd you grow up? Go to school, your first gigs, and your transition. Cool. I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. I went to school, University of Cincinnati, the uh, School of Design, Architecture, Art, and Planning. It's known as DAP. They had a really good graphics program. So that's, that's, that's where I started. Of course, when I got into school, I had a roommate that was in the industrial design program, and he uh, was always asking me why was why was I doing stuff in two D that you know was just advertising for the real things that were three D that mm-hmm. people held and used and you know made a difference in people's lives or whatever. So he kind of convinced me over like a wearing down of months, you know, that I was like in the the lesser of the two design fields, and then I'd have more fun in industrial design. So I switched. And then, so I was an ID um, major for, it's a five-year program. So we had, it was like a, a three, I guess, three and a half years of schooling paired with a year and a half of internships. They do it like quarter on, quarter off, school internship, school internship. And I thought that that program, and I still think that that's what makes UC and schools that are doing stuff like that really interesting. And what makes students excel, you know, is like, I hear it all the time now with like people that are like, trying to decide if they want to go to grad school, you know, more experienced people, especially in the arts, will often say like, well, why don't you just go out there and start working for a place? Like that's that's how you're going to learn, you know? It's kind of like the old, you know, the old style of like apprenticing under right. a place, you know? So I think there's two schools of thought there and I think there's there's logic and kind of reason to both. But anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, we had some people when we worked at Arrow and I was the design manager at Aeropostale and a lot of those interns from the fashion world came from UC. Understanding and hearing that they almost have a whole year of internship versus like one quarter, yeah. which most schools have, you know, you get to figure out what you're good at, what you like, different cities that you maybe want to live in. Sure. And I was, I really uh, admired the fact that students at that age, like you just mentioned, get to have that experience versus maybe trying to figure out if going to more school is important when I think sometimes you just actually need to do the work. That's yeah, cool. well, and in fact, so that's that's what ended up happening. And uh, to your point, a lot of fashion students, I'll, I'll point out specifically, it has that kind of, it has the, it's up on a pedestal of this, this like beautiful, glamorous job. And then most kids, once they saw the day-to-day of it, were like, peace, like this is, horrible you know it's like a vicious industry and uh, you know we have mutual friends and and stuff who who have been through that machine and either stuck with it or didn't but everybody knows that it's like it's not what it appears you know and and most any profession is like that Um, but ultimately that similar kind of thing happened to me with industrial design where there was this this aspiration of industrial designers we all wanted to be the next john jonathan ive or steve jobs or whatever and invent some product that would change the lives of people and 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 help people or in some kind of big way um, influence the way people did did things in their lives. I did graduate with a degree in industrial design, but kind of was always still obsessive with graphics. And so when I interviewed for my first job, you know, flash forward a little while, as an industrial designer in New York for uh, for Clinique Cosmetics, which was 
not really where I imagined myself, but it was like one of the first freelance things that popped up on, on the radar. And this was 2005. The interview was, you know, I wouldn't say the interview didn't go well. It was just kind of boring. They like wanted someone, they didn't really say what they wanted. And then I got there and it was like design the tester units that the makeup sits on. So like that interview was like, I, I guess the guy could tell I was like bored out of my mind. And so he was like, well, you know, we're also interviewing next door um, in the graphic design department. It looks like you have an eye for graphic design, whatever. And so he introduced me to that woman. Turns out she went to my high school. Oh, really? Not not like, you know, like Same time 15 or just, years before, okay. you know. And so this woman took a took a, a leap of faith with me and uh, and I got lucky. So I got hired on as a graphic designer instead as my first kind of official job out of college, even though I just graduated with an industrial design degree. So <laughs> it felt a little weird, but at the same time, you know, it was just kind of like, I guess in a way that things have continued ever since that day, you know, where I just kind of rolled with whatever seemed interesting at the time, right. you know? And I think, you know, if you look at people like, I don't know, Buckminster Fuller or whatever, these kind of like godlike design gurus, most of them had their hands in a thousand honey pots, and not that I like really would compare myself to them, but I can see it's almost like odd to to silo yourself. No, so I think we're noticing that you go to school possibly for graphic design, kind of stumble into industrial design, graduate as an industrial designer, right? But then get a job back as a graphic designer, right. which you kind of started off with going to school for in, in the first place, right? And so this idea of one, that's probably just the the eye for being visual, right? So it doesn't really matter what the execution is, but be sure. able to see certain things. Yeah. So how do you then transition from industrial design to graphic design and now image making content creation, but as like a photographer? You know, I, I worked as a freelancer for a while doing graphics and I, I worked at Clinique and ended up being for like a couple of years, almost three years. And that's actually where we first knew each mm -hmm. other when I was there doing freelance stuff and then eventually they hired me like full-time and i was always tinkering with photography on the side so my girlfriend at the time that that you and i mutually knew she kind of wanted to get out of fashion the aforementioned dread of being in this in this world that that she felt didn't kind of fulfill the the fantasies that she had wanted to go back to school had always wanted to go to california so i kind of jumped ship with her i wanted to change the pace and we both packed up quit our full-time jobs and and went to to San Francisco. So I kind of thought Frank Sinatra, like, you know, I'd made it in New York, you know, what's San Francisco? Like I can go anywhere and get a job without really realizing that <clears throat> I had absolutely no freelance network in San Francisco and, you know, was kind of in some ways also like, I'm not starting over, but like, I you know, I, I didn't really know what I was doing. And so we arrived during this time where there was like no work for anybody and, you know, it was pretty dire straits for a while. So I started essentially presenting myself two ways. I had my graphic design business card and then I printed up another one, which is my photography business card. And I had separate websites and separate cards. And depending on who I was talking to, I would say, hi, my name is Daniel. I'm a photographer, blah, blah, blah. Or hi, my name is Daniel, actually a graphic designer, you know. And so um, I ended up continuing to do graphics, but kind of starting to build this photo thing as more of like a real thing on the side. And then at some point I was doing more, more cosmetic stuff because at that point it's like my resume pointed towards cosmetics and I couldn't run away from it. So I ended up 
working for um, Sephora, doing a lot of like in-store signage design and window design, stuff like that. There was a project to, I don't know, some like kind of redo the inside of some graphic um, treatment for like their skincare section. And so they, they Sephora is a big brand. They usually have money to do big ad shoots. But this particular time they said, you know, we're going to have to get stock imagery. So can you just like come up with a couple designs and then find the stock? And so the little entrepreneuring Daniel that I was at the time, I decided to go to a photo shoot, basically knowing what it is that they're looking for. You know, I didn't tell anybody that I was doing it. And I presented the kind of shitty design options in kind of shitty stock. And then the really good ones I, I presented with my own work. And they, they went with, you know, whichever design they went with was one of the ones that had my work in it. And they're like, yeah, why don't you go ahead and go and just buy that stock too? And I was like, well, it's funny you mentioned the photography because that's my work. And I kind of weaseled my way into my first contract, you know, for the usage rights for my photography. Now, of course, you know, it was like based against like whatever budget that they had, you know, and I, and I was happy to take whatever I could get. But it was like at the time it felt like a lot of money and it was really exciting and it kind of spread. So San Francisco is a very small, small place. Um, unlike New York, I feel like everybody knows everybody. It's kind of a small town. So and you take it upon yourself to do a whole photo shoot and everything like that. How did that feel to present your work and then in a sense, put yourself out there a little bit and wanting to see if they like it? How did that work out? I, I kind of knew that I, I wasn't going to get in too much, too much trouble, I guess, you know, ultimately, but you know, I had a boss that was, um, you know, like always open to, to different kind of approaches of things. And I just kind of felt like I had this opening that it would be like stupid for me not to take, you know, and it was just kind of like, there was like this, this, uh, opportunity. And I, I don't know, I guess like I, I kind of have always maybe in some ways been like, if there's a point to move forward, you know, with uh, a bit of risk involved, like I will always take the risk and give it a shot rather than just kind of take the, the safe way. I don't know. I mean, it sounds no, like I mean, very and, like and cliche to say out loud, but you know. No, I mean, I think a lot of people don't, wouldn't do that. They would, you know, hedge all their bets on, on, on one thing. And you're kind of saying, well, depending on what, happens we'll see we'll roll the dice yeah. and just noticing that that conversation of of i'll just pick up everything and go cross country i'll we'll just you know have these two opportunities because they're still both you mm -hmm. right which i think is very interesting versus maybe trying to pick a lane when you're still maybe undecided yeah. like you're you know if you have these passions and you know as a designer you felt photography was a passion but then you really knew that maybe they were both kind of trying to win out. And yeah. it looked like to me that putting yourself out there for the Sephora project at least continued to legitimize, not from because you're getting jobs from friends, you're getting jobs from a big company mm -hmm. that says, oh, you can shoot photography. Like I, I, it's interesting to hear that, that you're almost doing two different types of jobs at the same time yeah. and letting society trying to like tell you which way to go. You know? Yeah. Right? So now you're working, you know, you have that ad that and you sold it to a Sephora. From that, what sparked new ideas and new ways to take your photography forward? 
Yeah, I mean, essentially, kind of what I was saying, San Francisco being so small, uh, it was just kind of like one art director told another art director, and there's a lot of beauty companies there. So I ended up, in short order, kind of becoming a quote-unquote beauty photographer. You know, it was kind of what ended up happening with my life for the next uh, few years in San Francisco. So I was doing stuff for Sephora, but also for um, Benefit Cosmetics and Bare Essentials and places like that. So I, I just kind of rolled with that for a few years, knowing also that like I wanted to move to, back to New York like all the while, like basically from the beginning. Like so, once once I felt like I was stable enough to like actually leave, because I w- I didn't want to make the mistake of um, you know, having like a good thing going and then in the middle of kind of this financial thing, just like take another another risk. But so at some point I was like, all right, let's do this. Let's go back to New York. And so when I got to New York, I was like, all right, so like, how am I going to blow up as like the biggest beauty photographer New York has ever seen? In the process of like looking, you know, like kind of surveying the landscape and figuring out how I'd fit in or whatever, I kind of realized like, well, nobody knows me here. So I am starting over. I knew at that point that the network does matter. And I was like, I, I could be something else. So I decided to, you know, I stuck with the photography thing, but I decided to tell bigger, broader stories a little bit further back than just the face, you know, because the beauty thing is like always just like a face. It's kind of the same thing over and over. And to me, it wasn't creative at all, actually. So then I, I started to kind of market myself as an advertising photographer, fashion, other stuff, whatever, like just kind of stepping back from just the face and and you know, started to get a foothold doing that. Um, but really, what kind of ended up being my my next leap was at some point I went to this portfolio review in New York called NYC PhotoWorks, which I recommend to any photographer who's um, interested in kind of you know getting feedback on their work because they do the portfolio review, but like kind of on you have to get into it. And once you're you're in, they kind of look at your work and depending on if you're young or they feel like you're you're there to get feedback, they'll give you that feedback. But it's like all these big, you know, Vogue and L and whatever, they have all those magazines, but they also have all the ad agencies. So they they kind of look at your work and then at some point they're like, you know, they're actually just having a meeting. So they have like these 15, 15 minute speed dating things. So contextually they they take the the concept of the the you know the review as either, am I like giving you feedback on your work or no, you're obviously a professional that we might hire. Let's talk about what we're doing like next month for this campaign and you start making contact. So at some point I had decided, I'd, I'd done a previous season of this thing and I decided um, I had this motion thing that I was doing on the side. I had a couple like video projects that I had done and I decided like, well, all right, well, I always was presenting my photography portfolio and then I had this iPad that I was like, you know, the old Steve Jobs, like, and one more thing, you know, I would bring out the the motion thing at the end. People started to really get more excited. I felt like there was more energy to how people were responding to my motion work. So halfway through this portfolio review, it's like a two or three day long thing. I decided to swap it. And so I presented myself as a motion person with a side of photography. And during that time, I, I, I met, you know, some of my first clients. And then I also met my first agent there. Or actually, perhaps it was my second agent. But the idea that I was presenting myself as a motion person in a time that the entire industry was also moving from predominantly stills, a lot of photographers were kind of under this little pivoting stress point of like, yeah, but you got to have to shoot a little bit of motion as well, because um, a lot of brands were asking for it. 
And so there was a lot of interest in this um, photography with a side of motion. And so I, I kind of went with it. And then so all of a sudden I was kind of in this mid- medium ground where I was able to, you know, maybe first start introducing myself sometimes as a director, which felt like very fraudulent. But before we get to that, right, you're, you're, you're bringing up the concept of motion, right? Mm-hmm. You're also bringing up the concept of shifting and pivoting again, right? So industrial design to graphic design, graphic design to photography, photography to motion design, uh, right? And taking these risks of saying, well, let me present myself as the other when before I would be the other thing. You mm-hmm. know, you would, I'm a photographer with a little bit of motion. Let me go in and say I'm a motion person with a little bit of photography. Yeah. But what do you mean by motion? So at the time I had done a project, um, I guess like, yeah, I had done a, I had done a project that was a photo-based project in San Francisco called Make Love, where we just had, uh, we photographed people's lips with Polaroids and then had them swap around with other people's lips, um, trying to simplify it as best as I can. And ultimately that whole thing was filmed. The, 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 the project, there basically was a BTS video of the project. Mm-hmm. And behind the scenes video, uh, I'd basically just given like one of the assistants, like a camera. I was like, do you know how to like shoot the thing or whatever? It's like really shaky footage or whatever, but I worked with this brilliant editor who put it together and it was like kind of like its own entity, you know? And that was like kind of the first time that I had kind of um, been interested in this idea of, of, of motion. And I guess that is a term that photographers use in that way because agents will ask you, do you do motion as well or like uh, art buyer or whatever? So, so yeah, when I say motion, I yeah, I basically mean, you know, like video or eventually, you know, stop motion was was kind of where I landed, but I'll I'll get there. So I had that project and I did some other similar project where we we started basically like dipping a little bit more into this um into the the video land. Mm-hmm. And uh at some point we had a client um that had asked us if we literally that same question They're like hey yo you guys do any motion you know we've been doing work i still had i still had my old connections through the cosmetics world so even when i came back to new york i was doing some um photography work for clarence cosmetics and they became kind of like this regular bread and butter client that would always come with boring stuff but that would pay the bills and they were like uh going through a change of of kind of creatives that you know, they had a new creative director that came from Paris and was there to like shake things up and make things more interesting. So she was just kind of shaking all the trees and trying to see like who was around her that could help her fashion some new stuff. And so she asked us like, "Yo, you guys do some motion stuff?" And of course, you know, I was like, "Yeah, yeah, we, you know, whatever." And so I had uh, at that point um, a studio manager that had gone to school for animation. And in particular, he had, you know, he had some experience in, in, in 2D animation, doing some After effects stuff, and also had done some work with um, stop motion. And so, you know, when we were kind of pitching ideas back and forth of like what, what we could do to bring these little cosmetic bottles to life, <clears throat> at some point, he was like, well, you know, why don't, we, why don't we do a little stop motion thing? And I didn't know what it was, but, <laughs> but you know, what I did know is I didn't own like a proper video camera and the video lights and like there's a whole nother getup that's involved with doing like a proper video shoot. But I did have a camera and I had all the lighting gear and I knew how to use them. And stop motion is essentially a bunch of photographs that are strung together, you know. Right, right. And so that seemed to be like that was like a more logical or like something I could wrap my head around. It was kind of a, a little leap 
towards the direction uh, of motion in a, in, a, in a very, not a very comfortable way, um, but a way that I could, um, I, I guess, like wet my feet. Yeah, it kind of made sense, right? Yeah. You know, like you said, it's just a string of, you know, stills together to create the idea of something moving. Once again, just another transition of things that seem related and then the fact that you're having somebody who's able to, was it the, your editor, right? Bring uh, up this idea. Studio manager. Your studio manager, yeah. right? To be, you know, and not something that you're shying away from saying, well, oh no, I'm not going to do any stop motion. It doesn't make any sense. You're, you're, you're able to say, all right, it's literally just photos. Yeah, yeah. Right? I right. have all How the How hard could it be? Right. Right, yeah. <laughs> right. Well, you, <laughs> but right, it's literally just, you know, you have all the setup, not a video setup. Right. But stop motion is kind of that that medium of, right. of, of getting you there. And you're like, I can figure figure this out. Right. Right? Um, that's, that's like a good intuitive thing to have to be like, well, I can't do video or I don't have the, the, the equipment yet. Mm-hmm. but I know what I can work with. And that almost enhances the fact that we're going to go start going into this direction. So now you're moving into this idea of stop motion. What other projects did you start working on with this? Was that mainly transitioning more from doing less photography or incorporating it with some photography projects? Uh, yeah, so it was usually much like that one was that we had to shoot kind of like a hero shot of of these little bottles you know it's like there's always some like meager form of a narrative that they would give us where it's like hey it's like uh it's summer we need like a some like we got to sell some sunscreen and whatever and they always had these new products that they were coming out with and so they wanted the hero shot and we 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 at some point decided we wanted to work with like a little paper set and we worked with a paper stylist that like kind of made this little kind of scene with, you know, a sun and a beach and like this little ice cream cart. Essentially what we decided to do is like kind of turn the, what would be the still frame idea of, you know, uh, uh, like a beautiful summer day at the beach into playing that out. Cause that's what kind of like a still is, you know, when you're presented with a still, you're leading the audience into like a vignette in their own head. And so I think where it gets interesting with motion is then you're actually manifesting it. Um, you're directing them, you know, with every apparatus that you have, you, you know, with the, the actual narrative of that thing playing out. But then you also get to enhance it with um, sound effects, with actors, with music, you know, all these other kind of senses that really enrich the story. So so the, because there's intent, right, and what you're trying to achieve is is guide somebody I'm a little bit more down the path that you really want to take them. What is the actual process? Like how long does it take to do a motion, let's say, or sorry, a stop motion video? Yeah. Like how intense is the setup? How long is the shoot? Yeah. So turns out, I mean, we didn't really know any better at the time, but it's, it's, it's kind of, um, it's a very masochistic act the art of stop motion because you know um if you're doing it on the twos they call it because it's every other frame instead of every frame it takes forever to do it and like if you make a tiny little (laughs) mistake and like the way something moves that nuance shows up way more than um if you're moving at like a a little bit of a clunkier stop motion feel then you can get away with more you know i in some ways it, it is like 
uh, I don't know why this is coming to me, but like one of those scenes where like the, you know, the bank robbers trying to go through like, you know, like an Ocean's Eleven or one of these were like trying to like dance through the lasers. Mm -hmm. And you got to do every movement in this precise kind of order in this way. And if you fail on one of them, the alarm goes off and you have to kind of start, start over. Start basically. from scratch. And so that happens, especially in, in inexperienced stop motion, which we were 100% of the time. You know, we basically, what we did is we just went from the gut. So we'd like start like grabbing an object and we didn't have any of the proper software to do this. So we just were basically like, you know, one guy was animating. So he'd be holding the thing with a stick and then would just say like, shoot, 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 go, 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 go. And you'd start like flipping the objects. The shoots to answer your question, um, you know, that one may have taken like 16 hours or so. Is that um, 16 hours straight? 16 hours straight. So you're doing, if you're doing a second, seven second little short, yeah. about 84 frames, right? 16 hours to get that correct. Right. And not like, not like two days of eight hours, like no, 16 hours straight just to knock it out. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, and, 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 you know, a lot of that was an experience, you know, again, like we were using, uh, we were trying to feed everything into Lightroom, Adobe Lightroom. And like literally pressing space bar, space bar, space bar, space bar, like, or, you know, or arrow, 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 yeah, just to like you're... kind of play through to kind of like visualize it to see how it goes. But there's a program called Dragon Frame, which is like the official go-to from, you know, s small productions all the way up to like feature films, which has all sorts of functionality. The main thing being this thing called an onion skin, where you can essentially have a half transparency of the previous frame. So you can kind of see where you were and have some kind of relative, you just reference need that point. reference point, right? Yeah. And it also has all these drawing tools where you can kind of draw out the path that something's going to move and you have overlays and this little thing that'll kind of allow you to animate a bouncing ball so you can kind of see where you've tracked something and, and, and whatever. So we didn't have any of that sophisticated set of tools. But the irony is like as we moved on, the shoots were consistently still that long. Um, largely just because we got better at doing it. And so the, the, the margin of error or like kind of the, the smoothness of animation, the bar went up and I know. And I, and I mean, I think some of the things you're talking about software and what, you know, industry standard is and the idea that, you know, you first weren't working with all of those, you know, technical things, yeah. but I would challenge, you know, the idea that you going through the actual, you know, long step process of figuring it out means that you can do more challenging work in the same amount of time and push yourselves further because the idea is not about the software. It doesn't matter if you have the, the the software telling you how the ball bounces if you don't know how to make the ball bounce. That's the yeah. software being able to make it easier for your idea, but if you don't know that you want a ball to bounce, it doesn't matter what the software is going to do. For sure. So I think that, you know, yeah, you can, with the software that you now know of, you can make things look better, feel smoother, have some shortcuts how to like overlay things and things you didn't know about before. Mm -hmm. um, so you're not doing total reshoots or, or, or overlaying on your own because the software is allowing you to do that. Yeah. So I think I'm just hearing the fact that software doesn't necessarily drive it in my mind. It's still your idea. It's still your concept. The understanding of speed, if these two cups don't collide the right way. You know, I, I, I definitely hear the idea that going through these growing pains just makes you better storytellers, better understanding of how you need to formulate your ideas so that the idea is there and you're doing more complicated shoots maybe in the same amount of time versus doing maybe more, sim you know, simple ones because of just the way you're understanding how things move 
And then basically, if you have this lovely software that can do a lot of this stuff for you, yeah. you're upping it up, you know, the ante again, because now... Right, you, you get know, the simple stuff out of the way. But you know, you know the story. You know, exa- you know, and you're like, now how can we push it, right? Yeah. Instead of doing all the spacebar and Lightroom, spacebar, spacebar, you're like, oh, this whole thing does it for me? Cool. Let's push this now. Right. It explodes, it does this, and now it jumps out of the frame. Like, something you may not have thought of. Well, yeah, and it's funny that you mentioned that because I think, like, it basically ends up being, you know, like, how can you pivot? Like, how can you improvise, you know? And so if the two coffee cups that are supposed to hit each other and explode don't, and so what happens is on the fly, you try to sell to the client like, well, what if they do kiss? And then they spin around and then they one of them slips and falls. Like, so you just kind of like all of a sudden, because you can't back away from the six hours of animating that got them to that point, you know, how can we make something still fun? And a lot of times, like with anything else, those happy mistakes end up being way more interesting than what you first kind of set out to yeah. do. So, And that sounds interesting too. I just, the idea of the pivoting, but... N- understanding maybe you change the intention right you don't you don't sell them the idea that these two cops have to explode because then when you show them the work they're going to be like there's no way they're supposed to do that right so you're able to then say maybe let's shift the story a little bit and ask them that we did this and we thought this was a better (laughs) interpretation of what you wanted to do and make it seem more on purpose than oh we kind of screwed up you know, I, I tell my students sometimes when you're when you're talking about let's say the idea of a brief or how you're pitching your idea right? You know, you have the idea of the way it's supposed to be and the way you would love it to be. But then sometimes things get in the way and the way you execute it or something, or as you're doing something, things change along the way. Always. Always, right? That maybe something, a happy accident, something better came along, or you learned while you were doing it and something else informs you. So now this is why you have this new end result. If you don't go back and change the intention of why you're doing it to sell it in the new way, then you're basically selling a lie because you're maybe selling the idea like we wanted to do it this way, but you're, you presented it the new way, which no longer goes with the old, the old creative brief, let's say. Right. Right. And you go, Oh, you know what? I understand that. And so we have to change the pitch. Yeah. I can't pitch them the old idea because we didn't execute that. So either it shows my shortcomings because I wasn't able to do what I wanted to do. Right. But instead, right, you're never going to sell yourself short. <laughs> you're going to change the narrative and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. well, this is what we thought was better. Yeah. And that's a that's a, a great skill on the fly to notice instead of putting yourself like under the bus and being like, yeah, we just weren't right, really we able to, yeah. <laughs> to do what we, what we thought we could. Yeah. Right. Because if they didn't know it in the beginning, right, nobody knows except you. Right. Right. So instead of you going into that meeting and, and being like, oh, damn it, we didn't, weren't able to do this, but this is what we were able to come up with. Yeah. You'd be totally psyched for the new way because that you felt is a better way to show the intention. Yeah. I mean, you know? there's to an extent because a lot of times the client is on set, so they'll they'll watch this crash and burn live. But I think it's the same thing, like just being able to kind of like reframe it in your head and be like, all right, listen, we all we know that this is where we intended to go, but like essentially knowing, you know, what the end result is, you know, of, um, you know, I don't know if the, if the point of these two now proverbial cups exploding is to have the, um, you know, milk and coffee to mix. If that's like the point of like what we're trying to explore, there's a different way to do it. There's so many different ways to do it. And like when you're pitching on the front side, you show them that. And, you know, the best thing that any of us can hope for is to have a client that is open to that shifting. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually they, 
you know, that's why advertising agencies have all these levels because they'll send someone who understands the client side enough, but they also understand the creative side enough and they can also help us repitch, be like, listen, we, we were going down that way, but we're going to go down this other way. And either they're on the fly, they're with us and we all kind of agree that this new thing happens. But yeah, for sure. Every single time something, something happens, that's not expected. Right. Even with something as scripted as stop motion, because stop motion has to be pretty scripted. Right. You can't really do too much like actually coffee cups, like whatever. Let's actually just make uh, the, the liquid fly directly from the sky. You know, like it's like a totally different thing. Like you could, you could do that with live action with stop motion. It's pretty regimented, but um, yeah, I think that's like this idea of just like kind of moving, like shifting, revolving. You know, it's like any any work of art is 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 you know an evolution and and it's kind of like a amalgam of all the things that like happen during the the, yeah. the 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 genesis of the idea to the end. It like morphs a thousand times, and sometimes you don't. No, even, it's never going to be like, the way you think about it. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, wait, what was the original? Yeah. You know, like where do we start? You know, sometimes it's kind of startling to know how bad your first idea was. <laughs> so, so I mean, a lot of these, right? We're talking about client-driven stuff, people being on set, but how much of the stuff that you're kind of working on now is? a combination of client-driven stuff, maybe personal projects you're taking on to kind of maybe push yourself a little bit. Mm-hmm. How, how much do you see that happening, doing equal amounts of both? What do you think? It's funny. I went I went to this um, design conference in Barcelona that I think I told you about off. Oh, no. F, F, F. There's like three Fs. Oh, um, definitely. It would be, I'm, now I'm totally jealous. It's really, yeah. <laughs> Barcelona? It's, it's in Barcelona. It, we, you just miss it for this year because it's in May. But for next Something year. Something to look forward for to. Next for next year. <laughs> you you got to go. I've been twice. Um, uh, don't rub it in though. And I, w- I would, no, I just mean <laughs> that like, it's so interesting. I mean, they just have all these amazing speakers and um, they had this one illustrator um, whose name escapes me, but she had this. She like kind of broke everything down in terms of like when she looked at a year, like how many projects she did for herself versus how many projects she did for like clients. And one of the things that she kind of, you know, through her, uh, the evolution of her formula of evolving as an artist was that, you know, she would get to a point always where like whatever it is that people had gotten excited about from, you know, six months ago or whatever, she would get a zillion jobs where people wanted to do, you know, like, she had drawn, she'd done some like alphabet thing with like dancers and like basically for months, if not like over a year, she had just clients lining up and they just wanted her to do versions of that. Mm-hmm. And she did like a Karma Sutra with like <laughs> alphabets and like people like, you know, whatever bent around in these shapes right, right. and whatever. And she did it and she, you know, it's like, I think um, probably musicians have it the worst because they get like whatever that one song is that's like the one hit and everyone's like, yeah, cool, but can you play like Freebird again? You know, like, you know, so that's like. <laughs> no more Freebird. Yeah, so that's, you know, so I think her whole strategy was that, and we were talking about this earlier, but this idea that like once you felt that, you know, whatever it was that you had kind of, um, you know, you made this 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 vision of this kind of, the style that all of a sudden clients are kind of clamoring at your door for. Once you feel like you don't want to do that anymore, you have to be the one to to show them something new. Because otherwise it's going to continue to be, you know, if you're the guy who paints everything in blue, everyone's going to be like, we got to hire that blue guy. He's the best at blue, like whatever. And then you'll get known for that. And then if you, if you don't 
take a step back at some moment to to paint a, something in a different color and show people that you can do yellow as well, then no one ever hires you for that. Especially like, you know, like now I feel like there's, um, you know, there's infinite designers, photographers, directors, like whatever that kind of specialize. And that's kind of like a big company. Ultimately, they don't want to take a risk on some level. They'll, they'll take creative risks or whatever, but if they're going to do, um, you know, a shoot about pies, they're going to want to come to like the person that like does a million pie shoots has done it and they can kind of like tweak it to make it look like their shoot about pies, but they know that that's the guy and you know, whatever. So, so getting back to your question about the personal work to paid work or like the, you know, the gigs, I think it, it's usually not something, um, perhaps as structured as this illustrator had proposed. I think what often happens is, you know, I'll have like a, an itch to try something new. Um, I'll try to, I'll try to sell it, you know, through on some project that we're working on, you know, like currently, like, uh, we have this guy that we sometimes work with that has like, he, he creates all these like motion control rigs that essentially simple things ish, simple things to do, uh, with motion, having like a, a crane shot that booms up or like a sliding shot that goes across a frame is much harder to do in stop motion because it has to be broken down into precise increments. And if it, when it's ramps up the speed and slows down as nice shots do, those things have to be exact because otherwise it'll get jumpy. In any case, I've been, I've been trying to work that into so many pitches recently. Uh, the problem is this guy's expensive, you know, so he brings <laughs> like his rig and he's got this robot arm and all this kind of stuff. So eventually, you know, I'll be able to to find the right place for that. But if I haven't, um, what I'll usually do is, um, and this is kind of like an outside example because I haven't I haven't approached this guy for a personal project yet. But that's what I would do and say, hey, let's like let's just do something, you know, because I love the work that you do, and I want to do some of that with my stuff. So let's do a personal project. We'll do exactly what we want to do, do something fun. We'll both get something out of it. And then eventually when you go to the next client, instead of trying to sell them the idea of, but we could do this camera move or whatever, uh, you could be like, we could do something like this. You already have it to show. You have it to show. And like, of course, you don't want to be pointing to like George, who has all these camera moves in his book and be like, you know, you really shouldn't be hiring these guys because they do all the camera moves. I think that's kind of the, um, a lot of times the way it happens. with just an interest in like some technique or some kind of narrative form. Uh, but also it just happens when we slow down. So uh, a lot of times, uh, and any freelancer I think can relate to this, like it's like the feast or, feast or famine thing where, where the waves of work just come in these giant troves of um, like colliding waves that all of a sudden, you know, you go from like being like really slow and all of a sudden you get one nibble one day that turns into like four different job requests in one afternoon. And then um, you're trying to figure out how to balance all these things. So um, a lot of times, you know, it'll just be like, all right, we have like, we're slowing down and and intuitively there'll be like whatever this thing is that you've been like itching, even, you know, because we're always looking at other people's work and going to Mm -hmm. the museum, whatever it is, like you have all these inputs all the time. And so uh, at some point, you know, it's like, all right, well, let's, let's, let's do a thing. And then hopefully, you know, I do try to look at everything with a little bit of a lens now as well as like, of like a business hat as well, you know, in terms of like, 
we've been trying to, you know, sort of kind of tell talk a little bit more about this director hat that I've been wearing. The stop motion direction is a director thing, but again, like as as we we're saying, like the 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 video thing is what people think about when they think about a director. And and I've been interested in being able to play into the nuance of performance, you know. So like if uh, if we're going to choreograph a dance in stop motion, it's going to take a long time to figure out how it goes. Usually what you'll end up doing is actually recording somebody doing a dance and figuring, getting that take exactly how you want it. Right. And then uh, you'll use software to break that movement down, kind of like you'll see tracking points and stuff like that in video mm -hmm. game software or whatever. Something similar because otherwise, uh, unless you have a godlike animator that can just translate you know and they'd also have to be a dancer yeah to be honest they couldn't you could know fluidity to know all somebody like to understand like exactly where the fingertips would lie at right. the end of like a proper ballet performance or whatever so so with stop motion you basically you have to make all these decisions up front and then you just have to see it through to some level but with video you could have you could work with this dancer live and you could kind of have this kind of like living breathing thing where you you know you have them do it this way let's try it that way let's shoot it from the top let's whatever why don't you change dresses does that make you feel different whatever so i've really been interested in that idea and um also stop motion has a very you know people like associate it with like this kind of like childlike fascination like we all remember sesame street and like um you know like all these claymation things and fantastic mr fox like and isle of dogs isle of dogs you know right so like i love these movies but from a storytelling point of view it does limit you right because like think about trying to do like um you know a sexy gucci ad with you know this cute little whimsical stop motion you know there's like certain stories that it's really hard to tell in stop motion um and then, you know, from a business side, then there's certain brands that's really hard for us to approach um, because stop motion has a vibe, this like cutesy kind of thing going on, uh, which I love. And we do a lot of, of that stuff. Um, you know, whimsy is something that comes and goes through the, the hallways of our studio, you know, as something that both we love and clients hire us to do. But, uh, you know, there's like a whole nother world out there. So in this way that you know, I've constantly been pivoting into what's next. Like I kind of have this curiosity now of, of, of doing motion. So, you know, long story short, I, I like collaborating. Um, and I thought, you know, wouldn't it be interesting at some point if, um, for, you know, that I'm creative directing the project and I'm working with all these people, but you know, it's not just about me. Like I just, I wanted, you know, to have a vessel in which I could fill with all these creative people. And so, um, so our, our studio name, changed so now we're sky pie studio as of like a couple of years ago and the we being you the we being so yeah it's like essentially <laughs> yeah you know it, uh for since since i had that studio manager he was with me for about four years recently we like you know he like kind of wanted to try something new because that's all he had done actually since college um so i have a new producer now but like you know essentially it's myself and a producer and then uh, we have a couple like uh, apprentice intern kind of program right, things right. that we always have these guys. And then like an agency, we kind of expand and contract for a job. So we have a network of freelancers and sometimes there'll be like six or seven people in the office, like all furiously working on whatever this is on, on shoot days that balloons even further. There can be like 30 people working together. Right. Yeah. In essence, um, that rebranding is still 
you know, Daniel Castro enterprises. Um, but it's given, it's like a big, bigger umbrella, you know, in the same way that JJ Abrams has bad, bad robot, right? Bad right. robot sounds like, and can do a lot of other things. You don't, you don't know. Right. Versus like one versus the many, right? So yeah. Yeah. And the branding of that too, like people associate, we were talking about the music thing earlier, but like, you know, if, if Ray Charles, you know, wanted to be a tennis star or something like that, you know, it'd be hard for him to do it as Ray Charles. But, if, you know, if he had like this other kind of entity that he worked as part of, all of a sudden it doesn't sound so weird for this, you know, bad robot. It's like, what is that? It's like, you right. know, it whatever could, you it want could it do to anything. It's, yeah, right. it's a vessel. So, so yeah, so SkyPy is now kind of um, evolved into um, more of a motion studio. And when that was happening, we hired a new somebody to do their branding. Refinery Forty Three is this company in in Boston, um, and I was obsessed with her work. Kelsey Stromsky is the lead lead there, and um, I was able to convince her to you know she she was fancier than she, bigger than I could afford, <laughs> and so I was able to convince her to take on our branding if um, if we created a project that would help market. Uh, their studio as well. So right. what we ended up doing is we didn't know what it was going to be, but it was like a very vague idea of what that would be. Um, but we ended up collaborating on this short film that features, um, and the, so you kind of had seen this before, but you probably would never have known that part of the intent was this, was this kind of like gorilla way of presenting uh, her graphics prowess. Mm -hmm. So there's like a business card, uh, you know, that belongs to this woman. There's like all these posters in the background. There's a magazine that she's reading. There's right. stuff everywhere that this. Um, so you're constantly this, telling the story of branding as one thing to help support her idea, but then right. directing and stop motion to support these new storytelling things that you're trying to do. Yeah, I mean, yeah, in essence, it was kind of like the best commercials you've ever seen. It's like beautiful and you forget what you're doing and then there's like a logo at the end. And right. you just like associate that. So like, you know, so that's what that that thing was. And, and again, it was just kind of this push into collaboration, which I'm kind of obsessed with. Yeah, um, I mean, it, it sounds like it. It sounds like, the, you know, the collaboration stuff and, and who you're working with and different people is also allowing you to bring different ideas into now SkyPy, but obviously, you know, with you and yeah. your willingness to be on to take these challenges or work with people, right? And I think in creative world, we have to work with people all the time, yeah. but some people prefer working on their own, yeah. you know, and it seems like you've always been able to have the niche of being in a collaborative business, but also be able to work with people to make other things happen because you know or realize that they're better skill sets that other people have that instead of you being everybody and do everything, right. work with the people who do what they do best, yeah. work together to do something even better yeah. instead of you trying to take over somebody else's you know, profession, you might as well just stick to what you do, do it well, collaborate with somebody else who does what they do well, and like you mentioned, do a product that actually showcases all of that. Yeah. No, and I know when we were um, setting up this meeting, you were then talking to me about a concept or a project you're working on, Sweet Little Lies, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. How is that? What is what, what does that project entail? What is what, what are you working on with that? So that was another product of of a need to collaborate. Um, <laughs> so there's this um, French director Marianne Favier who moved from Paris a while back and um, was kind of looking for to connect with some studios and stuff like that in Brooklyn. 
and I had been following her work. You know, this is kind of the beauty of our world today and Instagram. I had been following her work. She'd been following my work or whatever. And so I was so excited to hear that she was here in Brooklyn. And I, um, and then I ended up working with her. I hired her for a project and we worked together really well. And, uh, we kind of became friends and like, we're hanging out and stuff. And so I constantly, you know, we were always like, we got to do something. We got to like collaborate on something like make, make something interesting. And she has a lot more experience with, uh, live action. And also she's done work that incorporates live action and stop motion together in the same film. And that's something that I also was kind of like been playing with, um, because it's, easier to do one and the other as like these isolated things, um, but melding them together is a little bit right. more complicated. So we had just been, you know, tossing around like, when are we going to do a thing? And kind of, again, we had both like a little bit of a lull uh, that was long enough to be like, all right, like, sh- let's just do timing. this right and let's do it. Like, you know, and I always kind of feel like when we, when there is this moment, it's almost kind of like, um, mom left the kitchen for just long enough and do you think you can go and grab a cookie from the jar before she gets back you know it's like energy no, the, it, well it's almost like you know the the clients are almost like the 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 adults that are like keeping you from doing cool stuff you know and like they step out of the room you're like wait no one's watching like yeah. let's do let's do something crazy and so and i always end up moving with an intensity of that time because i don't know when the proverbial mom is going to come back. And when a project does come in, you know, we're still a small studio and we usually, if, if it's a good fit, take on that project. So we kind of rushed into, I wouldn't say rushed into, but like we like forcefully jumped into this idea of like, okay, we're going to create a project. I won't say exactly my age, but I just recently had a birthday. And so I am a slightly older gentleman in my 30s. Um, who is single. And so I have uh, all sorts of dating stories in New York, online dating, offline dating, like whatever. And at some point there's this kind of idea, you know, because like every story, right, comes from the best writers, right, from what they know, right? So like at some point we were like, all right, well, you know, let's like somehow get into this weird dating world that, that I'm in. And so without... I'm, to be honest, like at this point, to remember how we got to where we got, it would be really hard to say. But like we, <laughs> we ended up s- deciding that like this idea of these kind of white lies that people tell, it's like an interesting kind of story to explore. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially when you get within dating, right? Because people usually tell white lies to try to you know make themselves not look as bad, you know. But it's usually you know they're benign little things like right, right. And so, um, and so that that became kind of this uh, the foundation of this idea of of, of sweet lies, um, and and how you know there's like the bitter and the sweet, right? Because you're like you're dating somebody, and we actually kind of took that even further and decided to make the backdrop of this candy related. Mm-hmm. There's candy everywhere, right? So it's kind of this little fun um, device that we use to like play right. on the on the metaphor, but. Um, so yeah, we basically just then we kind of broke it down further into you know what are some of the um, the most entertaining lies or the most visually compelling lies or compromises between these two and made a list and um, so we kind of got down to ten of them and decided how to uh, how to visualize them and so so we now we have I think we're actually going to break it up into two two separate kind of shorts um, uh, because some of the some of the lies tend to be 
more like the very early lies, a first date light kind of thing. Like, you know, things that you can't get away. Like you, you lie about your height, but as soon as you met that person, like that, that's out, right? So right. that's that's known. Versus like later ones where, you know, kind of like classic things like, you know, I'll be there in a minute, which is, you know, something that, you know, you might tell whoever, you know, like I'm on my way or something like that, these kind of things. Um, that might be like once you know somebody a little bit more and you have some room to give, you know, right? Um, or that you love like the, uh, the you know, the, your 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 significant other's mother's cooking, you know, or something like that. These kind of games that we play, like oh, like why don't you come over? You love my meatloaf, right? And you're like, oh yeah, Mrs. So and So, I really love your meatloaf. And then you're like, motherfucker, I mean that meatloaf one more time. <laughs> so. Yeah, so... Uh, so the extent of the lie may change the, the way the shorts are, right? So maybe the first one will be more of the... Or one will be more of these, like, initial entry-level... Entry-level lies versus, versus like, like deep-rooted, of, like, oh, my God, now eventually I, I got in too deep and I can't change this Yeah, anymore. yeah. I mean, the the last lie that we kind of close with is... is um, it's not you, it's me, right? Which yeah. everyone knows is a lie. It's you. Yeah. But you're trying to soften the blow. You're trying of to course. sugarcoat it. <laughs> Yeah, so like we're kind of in the middle of uh, post production now. We're trying okay. to find a sound designer. Um, we're coloring the film. Nice. Working with a colorist. So same thing. Like you know, we we uh, wanted to work with this colorist, and like this was kind of like a good time to kind of build a relationship and on on something on the side that there's no pressure of the client or whatever. Right. And so yeah, it'll be coming out maybe in a few weeks or something. Right, cool, cool. Edit. Yeah. I definitely will put that in the show notes that if there's ways we can look at it and either, you know, on yeah. social or on a website or something like that. Yeah. What I'm noticing in the conversation is there's a lot of, regardless of all the different things you seem to have been doing, right? And the different industries and, and what you got your degrees in, but also what you just, you know, ended up doing or enjoyed the most, right? Which is allowing your passions to kind of guide you a little bit. What I'm noticing is there's resiliency to pivot right? Because you use the word pivoting. So you're just making decisions depending on how everything works with you and you're able to flow with that. And mm-hmm. I think it's a really interesting um, take as a creative to be able to say that maybe I have want, went to school for this and I have been doing this for a long time. But if I do have other passions that are interesting, why can't I start focusing on those or at least digging into those avenues so I can do something that I really enjoy? But also the idea of working with others, right? Every story that right now that you're doing things that you feel passionate about or that you sound passionate about is collaboration, right? Mm-hmm. You're working, you're, you're either getting insight from somebody else or you're working with somebody else to make sure that you can highlight both of your individual skill sets to put some better project out there for both of you. Yeah. And I think those are the those ideas of of not staying static and ability to work with others and 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 collaborate with different types of people to challenge yourself are really, really interesting. And as I as we move a little bit closer towards the end, I want to I want to ask you some questions about the idea of what advice would you give a younger self, right? So you've been doing, going through all these different changes and ability to, to trust your gut a little bit and be okay with whatever you did, right? If somebody wanted to, if you wanted to, if you knew you wanted to get here at the end, would you do anything different? So there's this book that I ordered recently called Feck per function, yeah, by James seen? Victory. Okay, so you have you read it? No, I haven't read it because it's probably really big. So I'm gonna, I need to get it. But I mean, it's it's kind of like one of those ones that's like inspiration. It's got photos. Yeah, you know. I whatever. mean, James is great. So to be honest, um, in the spirit of the book, I read like the first I don't know 15 <laughs> pages or something like that, and it's been like one of these like 
bathroom reads where I'm like always like, oh, I'll just like, I'll, I'll you know, once one of these days Couple when I sit on the pot, I'll just like kind of get through it. And and um, I haven't gotten to it, but what what I what it attracted me to the book was this idea that um, you know essentially like uh, if you corner yourself into whatever this perceived idea of the perfect fill in the blank is, you know first of all you're 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 never gonna you're never gonna get there right because it's like this kind of unattainable version of something that's in your head. But also, you'll probably you know you'll struggle a lot more along the way than if you kind of embrace embrace the chaos. Is that like a podcast or something like that? That's, it is. I mean, it, it it does sound familiar. There's a thing. That's a thing. Is that, but there's only so much you can um, you can do to try to to solve the problem. You know, if you're trying to design um, poster or the next iPhone or whatever, um, there's only so many hours in the day. And so, you know, you do what you can, you kind of like try to um, explore as much as you can. And then you like step back and you just like hang out in this Sumata, this smoke area for a while where you don't know. And you're basically banking on that moment in the shower where then all of a sudden it comes to you kind of thing. And so I, I guess what I would tell my the younger version of myself, because I did definitely come from a place of like, perfectionism and wanting everything to be just so and really stressing everything you know that that it's okay to um you know just more to like roll with the punches a little bit more and right. kind of like let that fluidity like instead of instead of fighting the motion of the ocean you just kind of kind of go with it and like explore what that might become you know and in some ways like you know that's maybe some of the things that I that I ended up doing but I feel like I, I perhaps like fought it along the way always like you know it, okay, like, you didn't, you it sounds just, easier to say out loud now than it was you know it's like oh, I never, looking like, back is so much different right yeah i never made any of these decisions as lightly and like cavalierly as it sounds like i was just like you know fuck it, i'm just gonna move west and like we'll figure it out or whatever like i was always stressed at these points and right. i still am like any freelancer having these days where i wake up and like what am i doing like is this is this sustainable like you know should i is this like you know how am i gonna get my 401k in order, like whatever, you know, it's like all these kind of, um, it's not as easy as like the kind of the known path or whatever, but, um, yeah, I guess I would, I would, I would pat the younger me on the back and just be like, it's okay. Just like kind of go with it. Right. Go with the flow a little bit. Yeah. You know, I I think it's, I mean, I think it's so much harder to reflect a little bit and realize everything you went through and know that it wasn't easy. Obviously you're making things sound easy that I moved here. I did that. There were probably really conscious decisions of being like, I have to figure this out, but I have to give myself the option to be like, I'm okay to move across country. I'm okay to present myself as two different things. I'm okay to switch up my presentation and say I'm a motion first instead of photographer first, right? Mm-hmm. Like those are very conscious things to be allow yourself to 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 do, knowing that you may have these. Am I doing the right thing? Right. Should I be doing yeah. this? And so you talked about obviously you work with either some apprentices or interns that sometimes come to your your shop. And I wanted to ask you, what do you notice are some of the biggest strengths and weaknesses of emerging creatives coming out there? That's a good question. And actually, we have just started formalizing review processes of having like a, you know, I, I always had like an exit survey that was just like a sit down at a coffee shop kind of thing um but we've we've started to write this shit down because like otherwise you know for us how do we become better you know to to help the experience of these um young 
designers that are coming through or, and vice versa. And I think um, one of the things I've seen a lot of actually is this kind of, um, I, I mean, in, in fear of not having a prescription for like what to do. And I think that's, you know, go, coming through school, it's like, you know, the next assignment is always kind of placed ahead of you and you have this goal. And so you know what to do next. And then once you get out into the real world, um, and especially if you do decide to go into this freelance lifestyle where you're not going to be working at a job that they hand you the next thing to do right. tomorrow, whatever, you kind of have to like figure it out on your own. Um, and so I think I always see this kind of this transition in some people more than others where they're like kind of, again, like willing to be like, all right you know, the, the project comes in and like we do have like a, a flow that we do to kind of try to get ideas going and, and, and whatever. We have a process. But I think also, you know, some of these kids are perplexed or like amazed at like how, how much it involves just like getting around it's the same old shit. It's like it's sketchbooks. Like let's just start talking around, looking at some images or, or, or whatever. Um, and so I think, um, you know, just being confident and that, that, that that's part of the um, – Part of the process and um i think the kind of little addendum that I'd, I'd put on top of that is um essentially if you don't build it they won't come you know you have to kind of do whatever that you know we were talking about the 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 blue guy painting in yellow or whatever a lot of people are too afraid to put that first foot out there mm -hmm. and 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 do the project on their own or whatever because a zillion reasons, you know, but I think people are, are maybe too worried about being judged or like it not turning out well enough or, or whatever, especially because now they're like, you know, shiny business card and they're saying um, that I am, um, you know, whatever, a stop motion animator, I am a designer, I'm a photographer, all these things. And like saying that out loud in the real world feels like a little bit daunting at first. And, you know, that fake it to you make it adage is like, you know, 100% valid in probably every field there is but i think in the arts it's like just all about manifesting something and so i don't know if it's faking it it's just like you're a young artist and then you're a more experienced artist um and i never really feel like totally set settled in what i know i'm doing right either so i i'm i mean that's like maybe that's just me but i kind of feel like i if i know how to do it too well then i'm not having fun you know, I'll be more like then executing than instead of creating. And I mm -hmm. think all of us as artists are trying to create. So the moment that you shut off and just start like doing the same thing that you did for somebody else or doing the same, you know, kind of project again and again, you're kind of losing a bit of of that innocence of the artist, you know, that, right. that makes it so special. So, you know, just get out there and do it. Right. I agree. I mean, yeah. I, I think that, you know, obviously the, the idea of, of being judged and being too perfect and, and all of these things are what kind of stifle, you know, people instead of just creating. And, you know, it, it, there's no magic pill, but sometimes you have to work through it. You have to, like you said, get the sketchbook out, just put some ideas out. Like, you know, there's going to be a lot of shit out there. Yeah. Right. But get through it so that you can try to figure out what the next things are. Yeah. Right. Because if you don't put it out there, like you said earlier, you realize how bad your first idea are, is. Right. What does the future hold for for SkyPie? Right, you you're always moving on to what's next, right? So what's next? That's a difficult question to answer. Um, you're not tied into it, yeah. I mean, you but, know, just because it's going to be on the podcast doesn't mean it's the way it has to yeah, happen. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, I know, I know. I I think, um, you know, certainly, 
getting more into this live action stuff is really interesting to me right now for like all the reasons that I, I express. But um, yeah, I mean, I think maybe creating something longer form, you know, in that way, because like stop motion is inherently short, tends to be short because the amount of time it takes to produce one second of narrative. And so I've been always, I've been thinking and a lot of our clients for the longest time were also social media things. So I've been always thinking in these like 10, 15 second chunks mm -hmm. and how do you tell a story in that amount of time? And um, I think there's a real, there's an interesting art form into that, but I think there's um, a lot of the looseness for interpretation that, you know, we were touching upon earlier upon like the, the most beautiful movies and pieces of art that, 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 you know, people dream of creating are the ones that have all this space for interpretation. And I think with, um, uh, with motion projects, having a little bit more space and time to tell that story leaves you a lot more opportunities to insert some kind of, to kind of leave some breathing room, I guess, for mm -hmm. the viewer to um, feel and insert and kind of pull apart the story in a different way. Um, and so, yeah, I guess telling a longer form. Yeah, and I so. mean, I think that probably goes to the fact that you enjoy telling stories and telling stories that are, you know, more in depth and more emotional and all these other things. And you can, you can get to, to deal more with the pacing and the ideas in a longer form versus having to truncate some of these. I think that hearing your story and hearing just where you're coming from and your ability to work with multiple people to focus on storytelling and concept as a way to drive what you're always trying to do. Because it seems like those are the things that are really pushing why you're doing different things. And the medium is just another way to express that concept. It's sure. not about the medium, right. you know, because obviously you're switching your medium all the time. Yeah. But your idea and the way you're trying to express these things mm -hmm. are really interesting. And the ability to to collaborate, but also take risk and 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 believe in yourself enough that I'm going to do stuff that maybe other people are not going to be into or when there's a lull in business, I'm gonna try something because I wanna pitch this idea and the only way that we can do it is to show them what needs to happen versus I can tell them, but I can show them in five seconds and I would win them over so much quicker, Yeah, right? Yeah. And your ability to know that these are ways to drive business, but these are ways to challenge yourself creatively and these are ways that you know, you're trying to push yourself, your, your, your clients, your, your friends, your ideas. I think it's really interesting. And I really learned a lot, right? Because I, you know, would have never called you a director until today. And now it's going to be your new title. What's up? <laughs> you know? Daniel Castro, director Did, right here. Yeah. What's up? Right? Director of Sky Pie. You know, <laughs> I know, I de but, I, but I, you know, learning so much more about what you do and how extensive it is. From afar, I appreciated all the level of intensity just to know how much in my head stop motion takes. But to hear... The, the the nuances of how you kind of really break something down mm -hmm. and that a seven second shoot can take 16 hours, yeah. mm -hmm. you know? And, and, and I think that what I've been seeing on Sky Pie and things like that are a testament to the quality you're trying to put out there and how you keep on pushing what you're trying to do. I think it's fun. You said it's whimsical, but I really think you're just trying to push the medium in something in ways that you understood as a photographer moving into this new field versus mm -hmm, mm -hmm. being a videographer moving into this field because you may have thought about it as very different. Yeah, 100%. Um, 
So I really appreciate our conversation. I think it was great. I, I learned so much more from a friend that I've known for such a long time. Yeah. Um, and that's always good. I always love having these conversations when I'm like, wow, I can't believe this is what he's been going through or this is what it was or I can't believe all this shift and I've just been seeing you on the peripherals in social media yeah. or brief conversations that we would have, but nothing as in-depth as this. And yeah. I thank you for taking the time. But one last thing, where can people learn more about Dan Castro and SkyPie? Uh, yeah, so um, on Instagram, it's just at SkyPie. It looks like Skypey when you write <laughs> it out. And we have no relationship to Skype, the video conferencing um, service. Yet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so just uh, S-K-Y-P-I-E on Instagram and then SkyPie.co on the World Wide Web. Cool. Anything else you want to share? No, next time I'm gonna have to ask you some questions. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's been too long. So now I gotta, I gotta understand what's going on, on the other side of the table. Oh, you know, anytime, anytime. Yeah, man. Thank well, you for having let, me. Definitely, definitely. Thank, thank you for being on the Works and Process podcast. And until next time, take care. Once again, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Dan Castro of SkyPy Studios. It was really interesting to learn all the different ways he's pivoted in his career and how he's now able to call himself a director after all this time. If you want to see any of the projects he's worked on or links to the people he mentioned in our conversation, go to wip.show13 to see them in the show notes. And once again, don't forget, if you really like the episode, please give us a five-star reading on Apple Podcasts. You can also find the Works and Process podcast on all other podcast platforms, such as Apple, Google, Spotify, amongst others. Thanks again. And until next time, follow your gut and trust in the process.